working our way through the book of Philippians, which is in the New Testament of your Bibles, and it's the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church. Last week we looked at what Paul thanked God for in the prayer he opens the letter with, and this week we'll be looking at what he asks God for. Um, Okay. What he asks God for. And like last week, our aim as we look at this prayer is to learn from Paul's prayer, both about the sorts of things we should be including in our own prayers and about the sort of things we should be valuing and pursuing in our lives in general. Because this prayer will reveal to us the things that Paul valued in the Philippians' life, the things that he wanted to see in the Philippians' lives, uh, in the lives of those Christians. And they are things that we should pursue in our lives as well. In fact, if you've been wondering what you need to pursue in your life in order to live a life that really counts, a life that's really worthwhile, a life that makes a difference... This passage is a very good summary. Let's read from verses 9 to 11. Chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. From this passage, we'll look at two things that Paul asked God to grow the Philippians in. We'll see two immediate goals for why he asked for these things, and then one ultimate goal. First, what are the two things? Paul asks God to grow the Philippians in. Well, number one, growth in love. Growth in love. Paul says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Love for who, though? Love for God, love for other Christians, love for the lost. There's no subject given here. And several, several commentators think this, this is because Paul wants their love to grow in all these areas. Okay? Love for God, love for one another, and love for the lost. And Paul's language here is full of enthusiasm. He asks God that their love will abound, abound more and more. As human beings... It's quite humbling, really, to realize just how much our tendency is to want to just check a box when it comes to things required of us. We want to just be able to say, okay, God says I need to do one, two, three, so let me, let me see, what's the bare minimum I can do? And then say, okay, yes, I did that, now I can move on. A couple of examples of this type of thinking. 
we see in Scripture, right? Think about the conversation in Luke ten twenty five and following, which is the conversation Jesus is, is having with a lawyer that results in him sharing the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Essentially what's happening is that the lawyer Jesus is talking with is basically saying, okay, yes, yeah, so I've got to love my neighbor, but who's my neighbor? I mean, you know. He's trying to narrow it down so that he can say, yes, I've done that. Check. Right? And what does Jesus do in response to that? Jesus blows his categories wide open and basically shows him that he should be willing to love absolutely anyone in need that he has the opportunity to help. That's what it is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think also about the question... Peter asks Jesus in Matthew 18, how many times must I forgive? Seven times? And what does Jesus do? Jesus again pushes back and and shows him that no, this isn't as simple as just saying, okay, one, two, three, four, okay, I'm done. No, Jesus says, forgive 70 times seven. 70 times seven. And the point there, again, is not actually that, okay, now, now once I get to 70 times 7, I'm done. No, right? The point is, stop thinking this way. This isn't the way you're called to love. You're called to love in a way that abounds more and more. Don't just check the box. The Philippians have done a good job loving Paul, right? We've looked at that already. We've seen how they've supported him, prayed for him, sent some money, sent Epaphroditus to go and encourage him in prison. They've done a good job loving him, but he doesn't want them to stop there. He wants them to love more and more and more. Brothers and sisters, there is always room for Christians to grow in loving others. Remember what Paul says to another church, the Thessalonian church, that was well known for their love. He says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. That indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. Do this more and more. Excel still more. Love even more. There's always room to love more. And why? Why is that true? It's true not just because there's so much need out there in the world, but it's true because we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And He has called us, as we saw just a few weeks ago in John 13, to love one another as He has loved us. And of course, if we think about that properly, we'll realize that there should never be a point where we can say, okay, I've loved enough now. I'm done. No, there's always reason. There's always space to love more and more. If Paul prays this for the Philippians. We can see the value of praying similar prayers for ourselves and for others. And we can see the value of seeking to grow in this area of love, to proactively grow in this area of love. 
Throughout, throughout the book of Philippians, you'll see there's a wonderful synergy. There's a wonderful partnership uh, of, of God at work and us also being faithful and responsible to act. Okay? Uh, the, we, we, we talked uh, last week about, you know, Paul's giving thanks to God because God's begun a work in the Philippians and God's going to continue that work in the Philippians' lives. Well, we'll see in just a, a few verses' time as we keep going on here that it's, it's even though God is at work within them, they need to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, right? And even so, just, just the fact that we pray for God to produce certain things in our lives doesn't mean that we mustn't also work hard at those things, okay? We must work at those things, and we must pray for God to help us Okay, as, as this verse we'll, we'll look at in, in a few weeks' time says, both to will, to desire the things that God calls us to, and to work, right? To actually accomplish, to actually achieve the goals we're working towards. So how do we seek to grow in love? Well, certainly, as we've just said, we need to be praying for it. You can always be praying. This is a prayer you can always be praying for yourself. God, help me to love more and more. Help me to abound in love. Pray and ask God to help you. Secondly, as we said a few weeks ago, but it's always worth reminding, keep looking at the example of your Savior. Keep looking at Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. And He has loved us so well. We need to be compelled by His love. We need to be compelled by His example. His humility, His service, His compassion. And consider how God and Jesus specifically have loved you through the gospel. Brothers and sisters, the example we are called to follow is an example of dying for others. Suffering for others. Sacrifice for others. And of course, we were not worthy of that love, were we, right? That love was, was, was a love extended to us in grace. Think also of some of the promises we have in the gospel, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. In light of that, can we just give up on loving people? Can we get to a point where we say, oh, this person's just frustrating me too much now, I'm done. No. Number two, what does Paul what else does Paul ask God to grow the Philippians in? Number two, growth in knowledge and wisdom. Growth in knowledge and wisdom. He says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more, and then he goes on and says, with knowledge and all discernment. With knowledge and all discernment. And We'll see here as we, as we move along that these two things go hand in hand. Okay? They go hand in hand. They complement each other. They partner together well. He doesn't just want the Philippians to grow in love. He wants that love to be accompanied by knowledge and discernment. Knowledge about God's character. Knowledge about His faithfulness. His promises. Knowledge of the commands he has for us and his design 
for various aspects of life, for work, for marriage, for our involvement in the local church, for decision-making, for walking through trials. Paul prays that we will grow in discernment also, which is the practical wisdom that allows us to make the best choices. The practical wisdom that allows us to make the best choices. It's not just knowing what is true and what is false, or knowing what is sinful and what is okay, but it's also knowing the difference between what is merely okay and what is better, and even then what is best. If you think about all these areas we've just been talking about, right? How you interact with uh, your co-workers. How, what sort of a, a worker you are in general. Uh, what sort of a, a family member. What sort of a friend. How do you interact with the poor and the needy? These things all come together in life and... We need wisdom. We need wisdom in terms of thinking about how to manage our time. We need wisdom in terms of thinking about uh, the the, the specifics of of how to interact with different people, what to prioritize over other things. We need wisdom. How do we grow in these areas? Again, prayer. Prayer. Paul prays and asks God to do this in the lives of the Philippians. And we mustn't neglect that ourselves. We need to pray that God will give us the desire to learn. To not just be satisfied with, with, uh, with a certain level of knowledge, but to realize that there is more to learn. There's more, uh, there's, there's, there's a, an ongoing need for wisdom if I am to seek to live my life better and better. But then again, what are some some other practical steps? Sitting under the preaching of God's word. This is one of the reasons we're not supposed to neglect gathering together. God teaches us from his word. Okay, This is an opportunity to grow in knowledge, to grow in discernment, to hear from God's word. Secondly, you want to spend time in God's word yourself. You don't want just any old opinions out there. You certainly don't just want the the general opinions of the day. You want to know what God has to say. And what you'll notice again and again is that what God has to say is quite different from the opinions of the day. Okay? The Bible is where we find what God has to say. Less importantly, but still important, is you can read other good books written by Christians. Books written about the Bible, explaining the Bible. You can read biographies of faithful Christians that were good examples. And don't neglect the role of friendships within the church. Godly friendships. One of the reasons you need one another is because two heads are better than one. It's a good thing to be able to sit down and wrestle through a question together. What does the Bible say about this? How should we live this out in our lives? And if you can find older, more mature Christians, mentors, all the better. Okay? People who've been walking with God for longer, who've, who've already wrestled through some of the questions you might be wrestling through for the first time. 
Brothers and sisters, definitely, when it comes to things like marriage, parenting, you are going to need counsel from other people. Don't just assume. Don't just assume you've got it. Okay? Big decisions. What am I going to study? Where am I going to live? What job am I going to take? Which church should I be involved with? Involve other people in those decisions. Pray about those decisions. Constantly be asking yourself, what does God's word have to say to me about not just what's okay, but what is best? What is best? Okay. I said that love, abounding in love and growing in knowledge and wisdom need to go together. But there's a reason that Paul's combined these. Well, let's think about that for a little bit here. Truth without love, right? If I know the right things, sometimes that is going to come across in me interacting with people in a way that's unnecessarily cold and blunt. Maybe I'll be overly simplistic because without a love for this person, I'm not really interested in hearing the details of their situation and actually thinking through the complexities of their situation with them. I'm just going to give them a, 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 an overly simplified, well, here's what you need to do and just leave them at that, right? I might not even give them much time, right? They, they're, they're, they're coming to me for counsel and without a real love for them, I just give them a few minutes. <laughs> when they continue to struggle over the course of a few weeks, over a few months, and I'm tired, you know? I told you what to do, now go do it. On the flip side, right? Love without truth. There are many people out there who do care for people, but in their efforts to, to, to do the, that person good, they do very unbiblical things, very unhelpful things. Think about the essence of our age right now. It's pushing, pushing, pushing for what? Complete acceptance, complete tolerance, right? So that parents think that if they've got a 10-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl, that the most loving thing to do is to dress that boy in, 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 in dresses and to call him a her. This is love not guided by truth. If I think back in my own life, I think of myself as a teenager helping my friends grow marijuana, helping my friends roll joints. If I think about ways that I lied for people, I thought I was loving people, but I wasn't. I was helping people continue in unhelpful directions. My love was actually hurting them. Okay? If we want to love well, we need to know God's truth. We need to know both what to pursue and how to pursue it. Truth in love, right? Which is what the Bible calls us to. Speak the truth to one another in love. 
combines these two. Love is the fuel, right? Love gives us a burden for others, a, a desire for their good, a desire for what's best for them. And it's the fuel that drives us to work hard at walking alongside them with perseverance, at digging into the scriptures with them and thinking hard with them about the complexities of life and thinking through, okay, what really is best in this situation? How can I best help you? Love is what helps us to keep loving others, even if they're annoying, even if they sin against us, even if the situation ends up being far more complicated than I thought it would or going on for far longer than I, than I wish it did. Even if my own life is filled with plenty of headaches, I still want to help you. And by God's grace, I do the best I can to help you. And the wisdom we get from God's Word and from learning from other experienced, mature believers helps us, of course, to do all this in the right way, in ways that are truly, genuinely helpful. Love much and we love well. Love much and we love well. Now what are some of the immediate goals Paul has in praying for the growth in these areas in the lives of the Philippians? Well, it says here in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent... Okay, so that you may approve what is excellent. And it, it, it implied in, in, in that statement is not just that you'd be able to say what is excellent, what is better, what is best, but that you would choose what is best. Right? So it's basically, you, if, you, if you're growing in love, if you're growing in knowledge and discernment, the immediate result is that you're going to be living a life where you are making the best choices, the wisest choices. And out of that gives you the, comes the opportunity now to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's also verse 10. What we're talking about here is, is a holy God-honoring life inside and out. When we're talking about being pure, we're talking about a sincerity within, right? You're not just going through the motions. You're not just pretending to love people. You really do love people. You really do love the Lord. You really are fully motivated to live the Christian life from the heart and blameless. You're living it out, right? You're walking in righteousness. And then just a quick little side note here too. What does he mean by for the day of Christ? For the day of Christ. Well, what we're talking about here is Jesus' return. Jesus' return. And the emphasis here, sometimes some of the the passages in the gospel, uh, in the gospels, uh, this is brought brought up as a little bit more of like like a warning, right? The mindset here seems to be more about anticipation, right? This day is coming. And when Jesus returns, how do I want him to find me? I want him to find me making the best choices, making the best use of my time, living a pure and holy life, right? It's like anticipating a wedding, anticipating a wedding and 
and, and the bride comes down, down the aisle, and the husband is full of anticipation, right? This is what's in view. This is what's in view. Okay? Continuing on, right? What else? Pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. What we're talking about here is not just the absence of sin in somebody's life, but now the presence of good deeds, of, 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 of love and, and of ministry to others. This person isn't just somebody who has grown in, 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 um, in tackling sin in their own life. This is somebody who has become a, a, a greater and greater blessing to others. Their life is fruitful. They are a blessing. And how does that come about in their life? Jesus Christ. It's made possible by God at work in them and through them. If we make the wisest choices in our lives, it's basically making our life count in all the right ways. It enables us to grow the most and live the most godly life, right? To conform ourselves as much as possible to the image of Christ. And it enables us to also be the greatest blessing we can be to others. Isn't that what we want from our lives? If you wanted to sum sum up, okay, what's your goal in life? What's your purpose in life? Or what other details might exist? Right? Whatever job you're doing, however many children you have, wherever you end up living, wouldn't you want it to be true that you're saying, I'm growing as much as possible and I'm the greatest blessing I can be to others. Right? I'm becoming as holy as I possibly can be and my life is as fruitful as possible. And what's Paul's ultimate goal in this? Verse 11. To the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. That is what life is all about. I'm pursuing growth in Christ-likeness and I'm pursuing being a blessing to others so that Jesus is exalted, so that God is glorified. Paul says in in 1 Corinthians, whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Even the mundane, everyday, like eating and drinking. Indeed, whatever you do, right? Whatever you do, Paul says, let it all be to the glory of God. I hope many of you will remember that this is part of our core values as a church too, right? When we were talking about our mission, there's, there's many smaller subpoints that, that would fall into our mission, like sharing the gospel and seeking to disciple others and seeking to be godly ourselves. But all of that has the ultimate goal. Sole Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. To God alone be the glory. We want to make, we want to make him look as glorious as he is. It's a 
good illustration John Piper uses about the difference between a microscope and a telescope, right? A microscope magnifies things in the sense that something small is made to look big. A telescope makes something that is huge, right, and bright. We're looking at at basically a, a, a massive ball of flame, right? But to us, it just looks like this tiny little speck. A telescope makes that tiny little speck look as great and glorious as it really is. Okay? And that's our goal. We want to be telescopes to the world, saying, look at God. Look at God. There's so much more to Him than you might think. If you want a good guide to what you should be praying for others, maybe you don't have specific prayer requests for others, but you want to be praying for them, if you want a good guide about what you can be praying for yourself, brothers and sisters, look to this prayer. If you want a good guide to what you should be aiming for in life, this prayer is it. Seek to grow in love. Seek to grow in knowledge and practical wisdom so that you can make the best choices in what you do and in how you do what you do so that you'll live a life of growing holiness that is fruitful and a blessing to others, all to the glory of God. I want to encourage you to even pray that prayer this week. Pray that prayer this week for yourself, and pray that prayer this week for others in the church. Um, and, uh, and give some time to, to consider how you can practically seek to grow in those ways, how you can put forth the effort. You're asking God to help you grow in those ways, but you must also be diligent to pursue those those things yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we pray that you would help us in exactly these areas. May we abound more and more in love. May we know your word, and through your word, may we know you and trust you and be compelled to live for you. May we see the, your, your character and your example and your faithfulness. And may we seek to emulate it and imitate it. God, may we be compelled in particular by the way that Jesus Christ has loved us and all that you've done for us in him. And God, may we grow in Christ-likeness. And may we grow in fruitfulness. May we become a greater and greater blessing to others. God, as you give us the wisdom to think through every situation we're in, to make the most of our time, to make the best choices. God, we want our lives to count for your glory. Be glorified in us as individuals and in us as a church, please, God. It's been said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. God, help us to live with that sort of perspective. May our lives count for your glory. Amen.